So I saw this tweet the other day, and I was kind of confused, actually. And that's strange, because I'm in New York. I live in the city. Attention, Bernie Sanders voters in New York, you have only 38 days to register as a Democrat to vote for Bernie in the New York primary, April 28th, 2010. New York is a closed primary. Make sure to register and vote for Team Bernie 2020. Retreat Bernie Sanders 2020. So when I saw that, I was confused. And I messaged a couple people I know that are in the know in New York politics because everything I read was the state of New York had changed its uh, registration deadline. New York, for those of you that don't know, um, is the most regressive as far as uh, how early, if you want to vote for Bernie or anyone really, if you want to vote in the Democratic primary, you have to change, and you're not a Democrat, you have to change your registration to become a Democrat as, er as early as October of the year before. So 2016, you had to change to become a Democrat in October 2015. Here, now, you have to change by October 11th, 2019, to be eligible to vote in the April 28th, 2020, New York primary. So I remember seeing a couple uh, weeks ago that there was news that it passed through the New York State Senate and the New York State House of Representatives that they were pushing the registration deadline back to 60 days before the primary. Currently, it's 100-something days before the primary, October, uh, so you got October 11th, November, December, January, February, March, April. That's six entire months before the New York uh, primary. And for those of you that, you know, just don't know uh, the primary, look right here, New York Democratic primary, April 28th, here's the calendar. This may be the last big delegate day of the race. If one candidate dominates every state this late in the primary, party leaders will likely move to get behind the person and seek to bring the race to an end. You see, 224 delegates are up for grabs in the New York state primary uh, for the Democrats. It's a big, that's a big, big amount. And, you know, if you have at that point what it looks like right now to be a three-way race between Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden, that New York primary could end up being quite critical to who is going to be going into uh, the Democratic National Convention in the summer with the most delegates. It's quite possible nobody is going to have enough pledge delegates to win on the first ballot because you got 25,000 candidates running. And because of that, uh, Bernie or Biden or Warren at this point looks like the top three might not win enough of the pledge delegates on the first ballot, which would then bring it to the superdelegates. But I said to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've already, I saw this, I saw this, um, where the New York State Senate had voted to change this. And it was, it, it passed in the Senate and it passed in the House. You have it right here. This is from June 15th. A change, of en uh, a change of enrollment received by the Board of Elections, by the board, yeah, by the Board of Elections, will take effect immediately, provided, however, any change of enrollment received by the Board of Elections after February 14th, Valentine's Day, 
and before or before or on seven days after the June primary shall take effect on the seventh day after the June primary. So in English, what this means, they are moving the deadline to register yourself as a Democrat from October 11th to February 14th. Now, I still think February 14th uh, as the registration deadline for a April end of April primary is still too early, but way better than October. So right here, right here, you have it. It was passed by the New York State Assembly. It passed the Senate and it passed the House that the registration deadline would be moved from October to November. And by the way, let's be clear. Let's be clear. What's remarkable to me, you have, it's already passed, and the governor, Andrew Cuomo, no progressive, has not signed it. Right here, Albany, poised to pass bill giving voters more time for party enrollment before primaries. State lawmakers are poised to pass legislation to change New York's archaic party enforcement enrollment deadline, giving voters far more time to join the Democratic Party before the competitive presidential primary next year. Under legislation that will be voted on Wednesday, which I just showed you, a permanent deadline of Valentine's Day will be created for state and presidential primaries. Voters who want to switch their party enrollment uh, or join a new party will have until February 14th of next year to do so. The only problem is the governor of New York has not signed this bill. And I reached out to Common Cause, uh, which is, uh, has to do, you know, is a voter group. They deal with nonprofit uh, voter registration, things like that, among other things. And I asked, uh, what's the deal here? Am I missing something? They told me, according to the bill that passed, the changes to the enrollment deadline should go into effect ASAP. However, the governor has not yet signed the bill, so TBD. Well, I don't know. If this passed in June, we are now in September, that would be three months ago. What is Governor Andrew Cuomo doing that he hasn't signed this bill? Anybody have any suggestions or theories on who Governor Andrew Cuomo might support in this Democratic primary? I'll give you a little give you a little time to consider the question. Who does Governor Andrew Cuomo, who has taken more money from banks, fossil fuel executives, pharmaceutical companies, big real estate, who does Governor Andrew Cuomo possibly support in the Democratic primary here in New York? There you go, Biden time. So what's remarkable here, what's remarkable here, Andrew Cuomo has not signed this bill. It's September 3rd. As of now, October 11th is the deadline to register as a Democrat. How many people do you think in New York, not only New York State, but New York City, know that? How, how many mailers, how abundantly clear does the New York Board of Elections, both the state and the Senate, excuse me, the state, um, the Board of Elections or uh, the New York City Board of Elections, do you think they are sending out mailers to make people know you got a, you only got 30-something days to sign up as a Democrat? You think it's prominently displayed on their website? You think they're sending text alerts? You think they're doing anything to let people know you have, uh, if we're going by, what's today, September 3rd? You got 38 days, 38 days to register in New York. 
they're not doing a damn thing. So you have two questions. Why has, why has Andrew Cuomo not signed the bill that's already been passed? Surprising that it was even passed. And what are, they do, what are people doing to get him to sign the bill? Because if, there's no reason for him not to sign the bill. It was voted on. What reason could the governor have to keep the most regressive, suppressive registration deadline in the country? No other state has a deadline this far out before the actual primary. New York is number one for regressive. Well, you know, call me cynical, but can I have anything to do with the fact that Governor Andrew Cuomo has basically opened up all of his, all his network of fat cats and sugar daddies for Joe Biden. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo plans to open his formidable fundraising network to Joe Biden's 2020 campaign. This from CNBC. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, who has raised millions of dollars during his campaigns over the years, has indicated to associates in recent days that he will be opening his vast and powerful fundraising network exclusively to Joe Biden. According to people with direct knowledge of the matter, Biden officially launched his campaign Thursday after months of speculation. Quote, Andrew is all in for Joe. He is pushing his entire network that way, political and funding, said a person who has spoken to Cuomo recently top party donor who has spoken to Cuomo advisors told CNBC Biden is going to have formidable fundraising operation through in part Cuomo. Cuomo's support could be a game changer for Biden. While the former VP has consistently led Democratic primary polls, he has been aggressively courting donors in a bid to catch up to an already crowded primary field that has a head start in the fundraising game. New York State Board of Elections data shows Cuomo has raked in $100 million in campaign contributions since he first ran for governor in 2010. At least 80% of his backers have given him $10,000 or more records show. So is this just, you know, as Cuomo uh, just suddenly become, you know, BFF to Biden? Is this a new thing? Cuomo not only has opened, is not signing this law, that will make it easier for people to vote, he has openly, openly endorsed Joe Biden. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo said he believes former Vice President Joe Biden has the best case among Democrats who may run for president in 2020 because of his White House experience. Quote, I think all of the names that are out there, I think Joe Biden is the best case. I think Joe Biden is the best case because he brings the most of the secret ingredient you need to win for a Democrat, which is credibility. Well, he should say credibility with the donors. He left that part out, but whatever. You don't hire an airline pilot who has never flown a plane. Joe Biden could say, I was there. I was not the president, but I was second seat. You know, that's, a, that's remarkable, honestly, that he's talking about uh, not hiring an airline pilot that has never flown a plane. Uh, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean. But if any of you have been paying attention to Joe Biden speaking, I wouldn't want Joe Biden uh, driving my, uh, you know, Lego car, much less, much less a plane right now. There's something going on with Joe Biden. I've been tweeting it. I've been doing videos on it. The corporate media doesn't want to talk about it because they don't want to lose access, their holy access to Joe Biden. I don't give a damn about the access. Frankly, I don't expect to get credentials for the next few debates. We don't expect to get credentials to Biden events going forward. If we do, we'll go. But what's remarkable to me, here you have, in June, 
of this year, three months ago, the New York State Assembly, the House and the Senate, both passed a bill to move the, let's just call it what it is, the voter suppression law on the books. It is a voter suppression law to have a deadline over six months before the primary. Nobody, not young, no young people, older people, independents, not uh, people without a party, first-time voters that are not Democrats yet. Nobody that would consider changing and registering as a Democrat is paying attention right now. Nobody knows that the deadline is in October, and that is exactly how Governor Andrew Cuomo, Joe Biden, just like Hillary Clinton benefited from this in 2016, Joe Biden. And the Biden campaign won it. And frankly, I personally think if you look at the demographics of who is supporting which candidates, I think Elizabeth Warren benefits from this deadline remaining in October. I think Kamala Harris would benefit from this deadline remaining in October. And I think Pete Buttigieg, if he's still in the race, would benefit from this deadline remaining in the uh, in October. Why? Because people that are going to support Bernie Sanders, he did incredibly well in open primaries last, last time. Why? Because open primaries allow independents to vote. So what, you know, having to sign up as a Democrat, people who are going to sign up as Democrats are generally independents. Uh, we're never, uh, we're, we're no party affiliation or have never voted and are voting for the first time, i.e. younger people. Those people, not going for Joe Biden, Frank, frankly. Joe Biden's campaign today just conceded. They just admitted, yeah, he's not doing so well among young people. So you have, you have the governor of New York for some reason, and no one in the media is challenging him. I, I, I emailed uh, his press office today. I'm having gotten a response. Don't expect to get a response. What are you waiting for, a bus? Why haven't you signed this law to move it to February? They're doing now what they did in 2016. The only difference is in 2016, the New York state government did not pass a bill to move the deadline to February. This is not only voter suppression, folks. This is rigging a primary for the establishment candidate. I was listening to an NPR report earlier about this very topic, what they said. Well, they keep the deadline early in general to protect incumbents. Well, in this case, it's to protect the candidates that will benefit from independence, young people not being registered to vote in time. Oh, but the DNC, there's such reform. The DNC, by the way, isn't stepping in to push Cuomo to sign this law. So you might not live in New York, you might not live in New York, but trust me, this is important to you. Because, again, New York, this is according to the New York Times, this may be the last big delegate day of the entire primary, 224 delegates. Well, if supporters that generally, if Bernie's demographic are not going to be able to register after October 11th, and frankly, they don't know currently that they're not able to register after October 11th, well, then you're going to have what you had in 2016. You're probably going to have big turnout among older Democrats that are already registered Democrat that have voted as Democrats for decades and decades. And you're going to have a lot of people showing up that thought they were 
able to vote and given provisional ballots, which don't count and are thrown out, which we just saw in the Queens district attorney race with Tiffany Caban, who got screwed out of that. What's remarkable about this, this is clear. This is clear as day. Governor Andrew Cuomo is essentially rigging the primary for Joe Biden. If you need any more evidence, here, here's, here's Cuomo in a speech, pumping up the crowd with working man theme songs from Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi. Governor Andrew Cuomo said there's always good news when Vice President Joe Biden is in town. Cuomo, he's like a New York Santa Claus. That's what he's like. Oh boy, New York Santa Claus, really? Well, frankly, uh, that New York Santa Claus possibly will use, possibly will use uh, Cuomo essentially ignoring the elected government's actions. I mean, listen, New York state government is not exactly squeaky clean, a lot of corruption. But in fairness, the House and the Senate both passed this bill to move New York away from being the most suppressive state in the country. October is absurd. It is voter suppression to make it that early for people to register. No one knows that you have to register in October. So we're going to have to stay on this because, frankly, uh, whether you're a Bernie Sanders supporter or not, if, if, they, if he gets away with ignoring this, this bill that he could sign right now, he could sign it right now and give people more time until February to register. Well, frankly, if I'm keeping it real, that is a big, big help to Joe Biden, and it's going to hurt a candidate like Bernie Sanders. So you don't have to live in New York for it to matter to you. If you want someone like Bernie Sanders to win, he's going to need, you are going to need more flexibility for young people to register as late as possible, for independents to register as late as possible. And this is the everyday rigging that goes on that the corporate media covers up. They're covering it up, folks, for a reason. And Marcus decided to go to a gun show uh, over the weekend. And because we live in the United Guns of America, because we live in the United Corporations of America, while he was inside this gun show, shocker, there was another mass shooting. There was another mass shooting. Uh, this time, uh, there was a mass shooting in Odessa, Texas. I'm sure you're familiar uh, with what happened, but if you're not, Here's a quick little uh, primer here. Gun laws were actually loosened in Texas the day after the state's second mass shooting in a month. Texas Governor Greg Abbott defended new gun laws that ease restrictions on gun owners in that state Sunday, hours in that state Sunday, hours after the laws went into effect and hours after a gunman shot at least 21 people, killing seven in and around Odessa, Texas. The new laws loosen restrictions on gun ownership and use in schools, foster homes, apartment buildings, and houses of worship. Proponents of the law argue that they will offer people the opportunity to defend themselves from threats, while critics say expanding gun access make people less safe. Speaking at a press conference to discuss law enforcement's response to Saturday's mass shooting, during which a man with a rifle opened fire during a traffic stop before firing at random, Abbott argued that easing gun restrictions and preventing mass shootings aren't mutually exclusive after being asked about the new laws. I don't, need the I don't need to read the rest. You get the picture. So you got Trump bumper stickers right next to Nazi pins, Nazi, Nazi you know, pins that you could put on. And while he's there, I texted him. I'm like, 
you know there's a mass shooting happening right now. Like, this is what's going on in America. You go to cover a gun show and there's a mass shooting while you're there. So naturally, Marcus got kicked out because you're not really doing God's work or status quo's work if you don't get kicked out of a gun show. So I want to show you this reporting because it's important to see uh, really the culture and the sickness behind these gun shows. And important, important to, to note, CNN reported before I got, uh, got on live, this shooter in Odessa failed the background check and he was able to access a gun through a private sale, also known as the gun show loophole. Marcus was at a gun show. So this shooter was able to kill seven people, shoot up 21 people at random in a traffic stop because of places like this that Marcus went to. Let's take a look at Marcus's reporting uh, at a Nevada gun show. While I was here, there was another mass shooting, of course, and it was in Odessa and Midland, Texas, West Texas area. Um, and it's not even been a month since El Paso, which is further West Texas. So, <laughs> I, I mean, this is what we're dealing with in America. This is our culture. This is who we are. Violent. It's a violent, violent, violent culture of white, entitled white men that like to shoot everything up. And a president that emboldens them. And when we go in here, you're going to see, while I was in there, I saw a Nazi pin right next to Trump paraphernalia, right? Or actually in between Trump paraphernalia and assault weapons. That is these gun shows and this gun culture. And you see Trump bumper stickers next to Nazi flags. I'm glad we were able to show that to you. And I don't want to make this all about Trump because this gun sickness is long, long predating Trump. But what's amazing to me about this is there's a mass shooting going on while this gun show is happening on happening. Nobody says a word. Nobody cares. And these gun shows are one of the main culprits of how people that should not have guns are getting uh, those guns, which the shooter from Odessa, according to CNN, failed a background check and got his weapon of destruction that he just killed seven people with during a private sale a.k.a. the gun show loophole. And, you know, right now the media is covering a hurricane. Once that's over, they'll go back to the horse race. Then we'll have another mass shooting, you know, at the rate we go, maybe next week, maybe this weekend. We'll do it all over again. We'll cover it for two days. This time might be different, blah, 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 blah. And then nothing will be done. People that love their guns, they don't want to go on camera and defend it. People that love their guns, they don't want to have to go on camera and have to explain why the Second Amendment allows, or why the Second Amendment, the wording of the Second Amendment, should allow for Uzis in the streets. Why the Second Amendment, which was for a well-regulated militia, um, why that now is extended to AR-15s. They don't want to defend it because they don't have 
a defense for it. The Texas Tribune is reporting that he didn't, uh, this shooter in Odessa failed a background check. It's also relevant to bring up, you know, I'm not often uh, giving Walmart kudos. Walmart has decided to end all handgun ammunition sales and ask customers not to carry guns in the stores. Walmart on Tuesday announced it would reduce its gun and ammunition sales one month after more than 20 people were killed in a mass shooting at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. Walmart also pressured Congress to enact gun safety measures. So I guess it took a mass shooting at Walmart for Walmart to do something, but I'll take it. But this stuff isn't gonna stop and we need more people to get up and get up in the faces of gun owners. I'm not talking about being violent, but they need to have to defend why their right to hold an Uzi, their right to hold a semi-automatic weapon of war that people in the military, who Republicans and these gun nuts, they love the military, they love the vets. But when the vets and the military say, you should not have this weapon as a citizen, oh, well, on this we disagree. I, I, I super duper have a hard on for the military and veterans, except when they tell me I can't have an Uzi down the street. Uh, those of you who know, we've covered Flint quite a lot. There's also a major, major water problem in Newark right now. Uh, I was in Newark uh, recently interviewing some folks. They found extremely high levels of lead that have been there. Basically, they've known about the high lead in Newark dating back all the way to, I think, 20, 2008, 2010, when, you know, the Cory Booker, who's running on love, I don't know why he's still running, because he ain't getting any votes, that's for sure. Um, Cory Booker. Uh, was mayor in Newark when they started finding high lead levels in the schools. Uh, and Cory Booker basically didn't do that much about it. And now it's turned into a massive crisis. So uh, they are starting to come together, saying that they're going to change uh, all the lead service lines in Newark over the next three to four years. Um, I think that's a good start. I think three to four years is way too long. I don't think that would happen anywhere else. Uh, it, you know, it, it would not take that long in Manhattan. It would not take that, take that long in, let's say, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, you know, a little bit nicer places. Newark, high poverty rate, high uh, rate of African-Americans. So now, while the residents of Newark who don't have clean water are waiting, court rules against Newark activists in battle over bottled water. Oh, so why, why should we give them enough bottled water why they're, while they're getting poisoned by lead in the water? That would be too democratic or humane to do. Um, the city of Newark doesn't have to expand its free bottled water program as it continues to cope with lead contamination in an estimated 18,000 homes, a federal judge ruled. Newark recently began handing out free bottled water for some residents after the U.S. EPA said water filters, a key element of officials' plan to fight the contamination, may not be working as expected. City officials have insisted the contamination is only taking place at homes with lead service lines or lead plumbing in the Pequannock system and have limited the bottled water distribution to residents who live in that area. But activists wanted the city to expand the program to pregnant and nursing women and children under six in the Wanak service area, too, which they claim is also seeing elevated lead levels. After the city announced its plan to hand out free bottled water last month, the Newark Education Workers Caucus and the Natural Resources Defense Council filed a legal demand to expand the program. 
but on August 30th, a U.S. district judge denied their request. In her decision, Esther Salas wrote that the activists haven't shown there is a danger of imminent irreparable harm or a systematic failure in the Wanak system. Quote, to the contrary, the evidence presented during the hearing supports the finding that the corrosion control in the Wanak service area is functioning and effective. Well, folks, if you're watching from Flint, if you're watching from an area that's already done this dance before, they typically like to tell you, oh, it's only happening over there. Oh, it's not, it's not as big of a deal as you might think. In Flint, at first, the city was saying, oh, it's only in this one house on this block. And the state tried to make it seem like it's only in certain parts of Flint. Yeah, well, when the crisis boiled over and became a ma uh, national crisis, they were having, they, they had brown, dirty water all over the city. If you don't know, in Newark, Newark, lead pipes, a lot of the lead pipes were built in the 1880s. No, I'm not making that up. 1880s. So here you have a judge and the city telling you, oh, it's only in this one area, so you don't have to provide bottled water citywide. Yeah, pipes in New Jersey City were installed in the 1880s. There's lead in them, and it's a problem. Newark and the water group suing it may be fighting in court, but there's one thing both sides agree on. Residents need to understand the importance of lead-contaminated water and what to do about it. For the third consecutive six-month period, the city of Newark reported elevated levels of lead in its tap water in 12% of its samples. I don't buy that for a second. I think it's more than that, but I digress. Quote, we have identified that there's an issue and we're trying to address it. Tiffany Stewart, legal counsel for the city's water and sewer department said, Newark officials have insisted the water from its reservoirs is safe to drink and the city's old infrastructure and 15,000 lead service lines, which connect from the water mains to each property are causing the spikes. But the city's lead service line inventory obtained through a public records request shows some pipes date to the 1880s. The Natural, Resources, the Natural Resources Defense Council, which sued the city in June for violating the state and federal regulations with its dangerously high levels of lead in its drinking waters, said it was disappointed the city had not done more to alleviate the problem. This is, this is now a public health crisis that has been going on for at least 18 months. There's a sense of frustration that we've been trying to work with the city for a year at this point, talking about the steps if they need to take. You're telling me that you have hard evidence that in a city with pipes 150 years old in many areas that it's only in this one pocket called Wanak Wanak system and by the way you don't have to live in New York Newark or Flint or Detroit or Milwaukee or Pittsburgh or name your city with water problems for this to be important to you because this goes to the playbook. This goes to what they consistently say in all of these situations. They keep trying to minimize the problem. They keep trying to pretend or even if, let's say they're not pretending, to say with some certainty that the problem is only in certain areas of the city. But unless you have x-ray vision, unless you have x-ray technology to look inside all of the pipes all over the city, you have no way of knowing how and where 
how pervasive and uh, how how rampant the high lead levels are around the city. But what you do know is you found high lead levels in schools dating back to 2010 when Cory Booker was mayor. What you do know is you have uh, in Newark, you have the old infrastructure, not just in one area, all over. In Newark, poverty is at 30%. In Newark, it's predominantly African-American. So we've been here before, we've played this record before, and for them to be denying citywide bottled water until every single pipe is replaced is ridiculous, it's inhumane, and it's racist. Let's say, uh, if you want just one example, this was an interview I did uh, a couple weeks ago with a resident when I was on the ground there. It was with humidity, probably 100 degrees, I was schwitzing. I asked him, do you trust the city that it's only in certain areas? Let's take a look. All right, we we, everybody know what the problem is. Let's come to a, what the a solution for the people who need water to drink. We cannot drink the water. This is Flint, Michigan. We cannot drink the water. It's the middle of summer. I mean, what you supposed to do is 100, almost 90 something degrees. What you supposed to do? A bunch of little kids, they want water. They constantly want water, water, water. I mean, what are you supposed to do? And it's also difficult because you're saying you got to go buy water. You did. I, I got to go buy water. This isn't exactly, you know, the most wealthy area yeah. that people could afford to buy more right. and more water. You're right. We got to keep buying more and more, more water. I will get a minimum wage job. My daughter, she's on a fixed income. I mean, I, I, I believe for, and for a problem that we did not create. And you, we did not create. We just live here. And you, uh, you have seven grandkids, so seven you got to be. Are you concerned at all about how long they've they, they been they, drinking they, this? They, they, they're all going to be tested before they go back to school. So they're all going to be tested for the lead because they gave us the filters. And then they say the filters don't work. Oh, but we're drinking the water with the filters. Uh, yeah. Now they gave. They gave they, they seem in many cities to be throwing filters at yeah. the problem, saying you're fine yeah. if you drink a filter, but filters go bad in hot water, and they might stop most lead, but they could cause bacterial issues they, and other issues. They give out filters without filter education. How do you give out filters? Hey, everybody take a filter. Okay, put it on your sink. Nobody else has education on how to use those. You know what I mean? People never use a filter, never bought a filter, and they just give you, they, they give you 10 filters. You want 10 filters here? But they don't tell you how to use them. So that was a resident I spoke with a few weeks ago there. Uh, definitely want to go back there because the problem's not getting better, folks. Problem's not getting better, especially when you have judges based on ridiculous hack science basically saying, no, we're not giving you bottled water. So what are the people supposed to do in Newark? What are these residents who are poor supposed to do if they can't afford bottled water? They're supposed to drink the dirty water because the service lines aren't being changed yet. And even when the service lines are changed, you still need thorough testing, independent testing. Because by the way, let's not forget here, let's not forget here, you can't just trust, you can't just trust that the testing is credible. Water utilities and water departments around the country have been found to do some funny business with testing try and throw out high tests to get a lower average so that they don't have so they don't they don't um have to or that to try and throw out high tests so that they get a lower average so that they don't go above the threshold that's allowed 
This has been in Flint, in Detroit, in Philadelphia they did this. Water utilities, the Guardian has done some good reporting on this, have been shown to cherry-pick numbers all over this country. So the very people that you're trusting to give you the real numbers to make sure your kids are safe, well, they might have incentive to get artificially low numbers. Shocker. Uh, Joe Biden says not doing business with lobbyists, not taking money from lobbyists, nothing with lobbyists. Yeah. Associated Press reports, uh, Joe Biden, yeah. He's been doing quite a lot of stuff with lobbyists. Uh, apparently, you know, he says he's fighting for the soul of America. Uh, well, apparently he's doing that with his lobbyist friends coming along for the ride. This from the Associated Press. Joe Biden entered the Democratic primary promising from day one to reject campaign cash from lobbyists. Quote, I work for you, not any industry, he tweeted. <laughs> Yet hours after his April campaign kickoff, the former vice president went to a fundraiser at the home of a lobbying executive, Comcast vice president to be exact, Comcast which owns MSNBC. And in the months since, he's done it again and again. It's difficult to quantify how much Biden has raised from the multi-billion dollar influence industry, but the roughly 200,000 he accepted from employees of major lobbying firms is far more than any of his rivals has received, according to a review of campaign finance data by the Associated Press. Though it is a small fraction of the $21.5 million he reported raising in the second quarter of 2019, the money demonstrates a comfort with an industry that is the object of scorn of Democrat activists and some of Biden's principal rivals. Biden's pledge applies only to federally registered lobbyists, and most of the money tracked by the Associated Press was from others in the influence industry. But thousands of dollars did come from federally registered lobbyists, and the Biden campaign said it's it is returning such donations. Yeah, because you got caught. That's why you're returning them, because you got caught. That includes roughly 6,000 in contributions his campaign accepted from six federally registered lobbyists, including the representatives for Google, which, if you haven't been paying attention, owns the world, aerospace and defense giant Lockheed Martin, and pharmaceutical companies, records show. Talk about reclaiming the soul of America. And an additional 5,750 was donated by the two lobbyists who had been registered shortly before making contributions to Biden's campaign. In at least two instances, donations came from lobbyists with criminal records who have served time in federal prison. Former Florida Congressman Lawrence Smith, a federally registered lobbyist, federally registered lobbyist representing the city of Pembroke Pines, gave Biden 1,000 after attending a fundraiser in May. Smith left Congress in 1993 after it was revealed he bounced 161 bad checks. He was convicted months later of tax evasion and using campaign cash to settle a gambling debt. Maryland Statehouse lobbyist Jared E. Evans gave Biden 2600 He was sentenced to 30 months in federal prison in 2000 after being found guilty of participating in an elaborate fake legislation scheme that built clients out of more than 400000 in lobbying fees. Excluded from Biden's pledges are lobbyists who work at the state level and those who lobby or supervise lobbyists but do not meet the legal threshold requiring them to register. Do I really need to read more to you? When Joe Biden says he is, quote, reclaiming the soul of America, I think what he means by that is we're going to move the corruption back behind closed doors and we won't tweet weird, crazy things. Or 
just because I want to use this again. He's gaslighting America, folks. That's Joe Biden gaslighting America. Listen, do I think Trump is a unique threat to the United Corporations of America? Yeah, I think Trump needs to be defeated. Do I think Donald Trump is corrupt and taking money hand over fist from the very same people that Joe Biden is? Absolutely. But I'm not a, you know, that doesn't mean, well, you know, Biden is less racist. It's arguable. Uh, Biden is more, you know, it goes down a little smoother than Trump. He doesn't want to ban religions. Doesn't want to build a wall, even though he was for building fencing when he was a senator. If you elect Joe Biden, make no mistake about it, you are turning back the clock to a time when the president was less outwardly crazy, but just as corrupt. Only classy, the classy, subtle corruption that's acceptable in the club. And when I say club, I mean the United Corporations of America with its access being New York to Washington, D.C. That's what we mean. That is what we mean. And frankly, when Joe Biden is calling himself middle class Joe, when Joe Biden is calling himself union man Joe, all this bullshit demonetized, excuse me. I mean, follow the money. The middle class, people fighting for the middle class do not take money from any lobbyists, federal or state. People, people that support labor unions are not in bed with lobbyists. I mean, here you have one of his campaign advisors today on a call with reporters claiming, you know, Biden is the most diverse coalition, concedes he's not as strong among young voters, which they attribute to them not being familiar with his record. That is rich. Yeah, so Joe Biden's campaign is saying he's not as strong among young voters because they just don't know his record. Well, I got a lot of young viewers. Would it, would it make you support Joe Biden if you knew that he was behind the crime bill, which incarcerated more black men than at any time other than slavery? How about the bankruptcy bill, which went a long way to making sure you and your parents remain in debt? How about uh, welfare reform? How about repealing Glass-Steagall, which is why we had a financial crash in 2008? Patriot Act, would that do it for you, millennials? Deregulating derivatives, the Iraq war. Yep. We just need to do some social media outreach on Joe Biden's record to get the kiddies in line. It's just laughable. And this go, this goes, by the way, with his campaign, which is still pretending that Joe Biden's just fine, you know, forgetting President Obama's name. Oh, that's just Joe being Joe. Stuttering through sentences, through words, forgetting whole events, forgetting the cities that mass shootings just took place, calling President Obama my boss because you can't remember his name. When you're trying to say the word methodical, methodical, uh, Mechanism, excuse me, mechanism, stuttering through it, saying mechanism. I don't say this to mock him. I've been saying it iceberg right ahead. Joe Biden is not well. And 
frankly, it is irresponsible of the corporate media to keep pretending these are gaffes. These are not gaffes. This is somebody who's not cognitively well and is declining further and further every single time you hear him speak. Thank you, Botany Lane Pottery, 17 bucks in the super chat. Appreciate it. So now Biden's campaign is basically tamping down expectations for Iowa. That's never a good thing. Joe Biden's campaign on Tuesday said, Iowa is not a must-win state on the former vice president's path to the Democratic nomination and signaled that his campaign is already ramping up its Super Tuesday efforts. Do I think we have to win Iowa? No, a senior advisor told campaign reporters Tuesday in a background briefing. The advisor said Iowa, which holds the first nominating contest in the nation, will be critical. We think we're going to win. We think it's going to be a dogfight, but we think there are several candidates in this field. There's probably three or four that are going to go a while. Specifically, Biden's campaign mentioned Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, and Pete Buttigieg. Biden advisors said they've laid the groundworks in the early voting states, but are now ramping up for Super Tuesday and beyond. And they have no expectation other top-tier candidates will leave the race after first contest. We feel we are going to be in a very dominant spot after the first four early states. Still, the campaign downplayed expectations in the first in the nation, Iowa, as well in the first primary, New Hampshire, which borders the home states of Warren and Sanders. Quote, as you all know, historically, there's an incredible home field advantage for a Massachusetts candidate or a New Englander. So the hits keep on coming, folks. And I got news for you. At this upcoming debate in Houston, where it's going to be 10 people on stage, as I've already reported, Tulsi Gabbard got screwed out of this debate by the DNC. I mean, I think you will probably have some folks coming for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, probably Kamala Harris will go at Elizabeth Warren. She'll probably go at Bernie Sanders as well. But I think you're going to have more people going after Biden because, frankly, I don't mean to be crass. He ain't well. He is not that well. And he's vulnerable. And the only way for other candidates to move up is to take him down a notch. And I believe you're going to see people referencing... Middle-class Joe, you're taking money from lobbyists. Middle-class Joe, you're doing fundraisers with lobbyists. You're doing fundraisers with union busters like Comcast and law firms that defend companies trying to bash unions. And what, 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 to put a bow on this, not only do you have Joe Biden taking all sorts of cash from lobbyists, not only do you have Joe Biden's campaign minimizing, minimizing if he even has to win Iowa or New Hampshire, which, yes... If he wants to win the nomination, he certainly will. Then you have his advisors openly saying, yeah, this is the eat your broccoli campaign. He doesn't think you need a revolution here, said Anita Dunn, a Democratic media strategist working for Biden, who was a big uh, communications person for the Obama administration. His enterprise is built more on a strategic bet that given the possibility of another four years of Trump, Democrats will gravitate to the familiar and reach for this stitched-up old teddy bear of a candidate. Yep. That's all I want. That's all I want to, you know... Just look at this. We don't need a revolution. We just need a teddy bear. He'll fix. That teddy bear will fix 
the theft of your money to the top 1%. We just need a warm, old, white teddy bear taking money from lobbyists. He'll do it. A teddy bear will be the one to fix this. All I have to say, folks, iceberg right ahead.